This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back next week. Guy Benson offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. Guy Benson blends major newsmaker guests along with a steady stream of Fox News all-stars, and we'll prove that as today's program goes along with passionate and informed monologues that Guy shares with you daily. The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to a very busy news day. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Well, right out of the box, I know a lot of people were wondering, once you try to process, and it's hard because it doesn't make sense to anyone that thinks normal, but once you try to process what happened on America's Independence Day, on the 246th birthday of the greatest country in the history of the world, the United States of America, and you try to process what happened in Highland Park at the parade. And I was one of you wondering, what was this three-hour trip that the alleged gunman took, only to come right back? And the reporting of Fox News And you can see this at foxnews.com. It's a very important update that the Highland Park Parade shooting suspect contemplated a second attack. So just imagine the young man who fired more than 70 rounds into a crowd of innocent, unsuspecting spectators at a joyous Fourth of July parade outside of Chicago in a beautiful suburb area, uh, an area where Michael Jordan and others either still call home or at one point called home, Scotty Pippen and many others throw out a few recognizable names, and then something like this happens. And you can imagine that there's a lot of noise and you're at a parade and you don't know the difference. Perhaps you hear pop, 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 and you don't know the difference between maybe what could be, now this was daytime, but a firework versus uh, or, or any type of noise that would just sound possibly normal during a parade-type setting where there's just festivities going on and people suddenly are sent scurrying uh, and fleeing and from a rooftop. Seemingly, we'll we'll get all of this uh, in no time at all. I I like to stop short of speculation and things like this, but it it is pretty much market saturation level out there that this young man who fits the fairly recent, if you will, profile for this type of situation, a young, this this age demo seems to be upper teens to very, very early 20s. And he's right there at 22 years old. And you hear all these different things, whether it was the uncle talking or 
former classmates that said at this point in time something changed. And you look at the digital footprint that's out there, and there's a YouTube channel, uh, some of it, not all of it, but some of it about school shootings, some of it about gun violence. And by really all information that we know now, there seem to be so many red flags that how does this happen? So I'm a big proponent of don't blame the gun. You've got to get into, and we'll be doing this later in the program as well. You've got to get into, because look, if somebody wants to get a hold of a gun, whether every American had every gun they own confiscated, and if this was all buttoned down and no one could legally have a gun, if you wanted to go out there on the black market, you could get the gun pretty much of your choice. So it's not the gun then you got to get into, is it the mental illness or what are the other contributing factors? I think that's a much more intellectually honest and smart conversation to have rather than this political agenda of immediately coming out and blaming the guns. Well, this much I can tell you on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is a Fox News national correspondent who, if there is something, it could be going on anywhere in the country, but if there's something going on in Chicago, if there's something going on in the state of Illinois, you can rest assured that Matt Finn will own it. He'll be all over it from every angle. And Matt Finn joins the Guy Benson Show. Matt, I would ask you how you're doing, but on a day like this, uh, it's terrible. But uh, tell us what you know. Well, the latest we know right now is that accused Highland Park Parade shooter Robert Cream of the Third contemplated a second shooting attack on an event in the Madison, Wisconsin area after his first shooting attack in Illinois. We learned that today by police, but he was ultimately arrested. Also, 21-year-old Cremo made his first appearance in an Illinois courtroom today uh, via um, satellite. Uh, He's charged on seven counts of murder for the uh, 4th of July mass shooting. Approximately, uh, I'm learning, 38 other people were also wounded by gunfire that day. Uh, the uh, The judge ordered that Cremo be held with out bail. Uh, he allegedly has confessed to police and shared details of what he has done. And officials would not speculate on Cremo's motive other than to say he had an affinity for the numbers four and seven. And the inverse of those digits is the date of the attack, July 4th. And the state's attorney in Lakes County, uh, he said dozens of additional charges are expected to be filed against Cremo in the coming weeks, uh, including possible attempted murder and weapons charges. Uh, law enforcement has also revealed that Cremo had two prior incidents before the shooting. First, in April of 2019, he apparently attempted suicide, and that situation was handled by mental health professionals. Uh, in September of 2019, police seized 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword from Cremo after he allegedly threatened to kill his entire family. And that's causing a lot of people to say, well, how did he ultimately legally obtain guns? Well, the Lake County Sheriff's uh, Deputy Chris Cavelli, who you might have seen all over TV in the past couple of days, he's acting as the public information officer. He said that when Highland Park police responded to that 2019 incident, they removed weapons that Cremo possessed, but there were no firearms at that time to be removed. So there were no red flag laws to go after firearms in the home at that time. Matt, it's, it's why these young shooters that are upper teens to early 20-ish, they ha- the, even if they have a disturbing past, they have nothing that would stop them from getting these weapons legally. Then you find out afterwards, just like with this particular alleged shooter, that we should have known and he, the police were interested in him and students, fellow students said something changed with him and, and things like that. Let me, Matt, go back to something you said earlier. When he made this 
I guess it was nearly three hour trip to where there may have been. And Fox News dot com has excellent reporting on this as well. And, and Matt uh, Finn is is also doing great work on it. And he joins us now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. This second thing that he contemplated, he didn't get arrested before he did it because he got arrested very near. He came all the way back. So he made a decision not to do it, didn't he? Yeah, apparently. And law enforcement said that he still had, uh, you know, enough ammunition and and firepower to carry out, you know, another uh, deadly attack. So, you know, by the grace of God or for whatever reason, uh, he chose not to. And he was ultimately uh, arrested in that silver Honda fit uh, in a neighboring community. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Lake County. Um, It is a very quiet area. There's uh, many affluent uh, neighborhoods, but there's also very blue collar areas. Um, it is, you know, it's your classic Midwestern USA. Uh, and so unfortunately, we always say you can't believe it would happen here, but it, it did, you know, and it is, uh, you know, you recall also that Wisconsin parade attack. That was a driver, but that was yep. other that was also a small town USA, a Main Street USA. So just so unfortunate and terrible that these small communities are being de- uh, devastated like this. We're hearing, Matt, that Lee Harvey Oswald uh, is someone that. Uh, that uh, Cremo the Third uh, admired. Does does it seem almost like transparently obvious that he left his gun at the scene, sort of an homage to Oswald? I mean, why would someone go to the extent of he had long hair, uh, he he had himself all pretty much feminine, had the the women's clothing, he was just going to blend on out of the thing, but he left his gun behind, like leaving his fingerprints behind. Yeah, Officer Cavelli said that that uh, was a very questionable thing to do because they did immediately identify him by that gun. And he is seen on surveillance, apparently dressed as a woman. Uh, Cavelli said he thinks that that was an attempt to kind of escape or disguise himself. But, you know, there's cameras and photographs everywhere nowadays. So he was photographed and there was a kind of a tight shot that did reveal the, the nature of his face. Uh, and um, that, that, I think, was able to help identify him. Matt Finn, you cover all these different things, and it's it's very sad, and there have, of course, been a number of them. Only after the fact do we seem to connect the dots. You, if you go back to September 11th, 2001, the famous Jamie Gorelick firewall where the, two, the agencies didn't talk with one another or maybe the chatter that each side was having without talking to the other, we would have maybe been able to prevent September 11th and all those many thousands of lives that were taken each and every time. We seem to be able to very quickly put something together that says that this is somebody that bared watching, in fact, had run-ins with law enforcement. In his case, uh, a coach of his came out and, and said it to Fox News uh, that he blamed the parents. He said that it was obvious to see there were issues here. Other people came out with similar things. Why do we only connect the dots after the fact? You know, I I don't have the answer to that, and I'm not going to pretend to. But, you know, sadly, um, there are so many of these types of people that slip through the cracks. And you're hearing so much more now about how many red flags this, this man had. And there's also allegedly maybe some, some video out there that he might be a part of uh, that was kind of disturbing or creepy. And um, I, I think if you watch and see, things are probably going to come out and unfold regarding his home life and his family. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer or the or the reason why, but... 
You know, right now, I mean, police are overwhelmed by all the things that are going on. And to say, this is just my observation. You know, in small towns and major towns, police are overwhelmed by all the unrest we've seen over the past couple of years uh, and all the negativity towards and aimed at police. You wonder how much time and resources they have to spend investigating all these cases or responding to anything that appears to be a red flag. You know, uh, Chris Cavelli did say that, that when they entered the home at that time, they, there was no firearms. They had no, um, no ability in that case to necessarily um, arrest him. And so between 2019 now and 2022, something happened. He obtained firearms, and then he carried out this attack. Well, what police? What were they really going to do with that? He legally obtained these firearms, and he chose to shoot people. I don't know uh, if there's any connection there or any way he could have potentially been stopped. I'm learning more about this case and about this person, so I'm not making blanket statements. But you, you see how these things, you know, we have freedom. We have the ability to purchase guns. People have the ability to keep them in their house, in their car. And ultimately, if you, know, if you have a person who's unwell or unstable and they want to carry out an attack, I don't know if every one of those cases can be prevented, even with some red flags. And you're going to hear people on the opposite side argue something very differently, saying this is a prime person who should have been, you know, could, should have been committed, should have been uh, perhaps even sent to, you know, to jail for all those for the knives and everything. Um, but but things are going to come out, and we're going to learn more, and uh, and it's going to be more and more unfortunate, I'm sure. Matt, I think that's a really thoughtful answer to an impossible question because this isn't pre-crime with Tom Cruise, and you don't know. Uh, you can't charge someone before they do something if there was nothing chargeable. I think that's a really yeah. uh, smart. I think it's a very it's it's a frustrating thing when you see what someone does and then you start to look at things that now you connect that maybe were not as connectable uh, before the person actually uh, allegedly committed such a heinous crime. Final minute: six of the six of the victims pretty quickly were identified. Is there something up with the seventh victim that that's not? The seventh person has not been identified? You know, there, the seventh person, um, I believe, was identified earlier today. Okay. Um, and my understanding is that there, there were just some internal logistics that had to be figured out. I'll leave it at that. Um, That's fair. Uh, regarding the seventh person. And, and it's kind of – it's not necessarily – pertaining to to the shooter or, or the case. It was kind of that individual person's uh, uh, medical situation. Understood. About a little under a minute. Uh, Takeaway. What, what, what do you say uh, regarding this? You know, um, after spending so much time in that area, you know, I can just say that it, it's obviously such a tragedy. And, you ha- and one thing I noted here was, you know, the state attorney and the police there have, have acknowledged the mental anguish and what's likely going to be lifelong struggles for the people, people who witnessed this and survived this. I mean, you know, put yourself in, in those people's shoes. It's 4th of July. I think everyone attending a major event like a parade, I know I myself, I was probably looking over their shoulders nowadays, yeah. but it's just one of those moments that you want to be carefree. You want to be with your family. You want to be with your children. You're in the Midwest. You had a long, cold winter, and then you witness this, and the stories are so tragic, and I I don't know how, you know, those people ever fully heal or ever fully attend a public event again, especially with their children. I mean, you see the story of the mother and father who were killed, and now I think there's a young toddler who's an orphan, you know. And and so it's just so unbelievable tragic, and and there's so many more um, ramifications and and ripple effects of this. And I'm I'm grateful that this time, not saying it hasn't happened another time, but you have the attorneys and you have the police acknowledging the mental impact and the anguish that all these survivors are going to feel. Matt Finn, great to visit with you under terrible circumstances. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. We'll be back a lot more. It's a big news day. This is The Guy Benson Show. 
Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Harry Hurley filling in today with Team Christine, with Wyatt and Dan. Guy will be back next week. When something happens once, I really believe in in being fair. Obviously, Fox News is fair and balanced, and I really believe in being fair. When something happens once, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to any of us. No doubt if you if you search back through your way back machine, you've said some doozies, you you know, we all make mistakes. There's no question about that. So when something happens once, you say, Wow, that was that was funny. But then if it never happens again, it's an outlier. But then it happens again and happens again and happens again. Now you have a trend. Then it keeps happening. And ladies and gentlemen of the Guy Benson Show universe, we have an epidemic here. So in fairness to the truth, this isn't just a a one-off with our Vice President Kamala Harris. This penchant to repeat the same thing, to look like that student that – didn't do the homework, uh, or to just be so vacant in terms of substance to where you say the same word again and again and again or the same thing again and again and again. So as we play this cut, let it be known that this isn't just picking on one person. This isn't picking on the vice president like it's never happened before. It happens again and again and again, and we'll prove it right now on The Guy Benson Show. Dan, cut 26. We'll deal with what we need to deal with in terms of also as we move forward, all agreeing that we got to be smarter as a country in terms of who has access to what, and in particular assault weapons. And um, we got to take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. That's three seriouslys in less than 20 seconds. And and that's being kind because that's counting the entire audio. It was really three seriouslys in about eight seconds. I didn't time it out, but it was in the very latter portion of that 20-second clip, audio clip. So there you have it. Now, what to make of it? I mean, there's a lot said. There's a lot written about President Biden, and people have their own – Uh, thoughts on whether there is a demonstrated lack of mental acuity. I'll leave that up to you to decide. I've made my mind up on the topic. But here we have the vice president who time and time again is absent serious content and instead fills in with what is known as word salad. Now, this is this is word salad on steroids times infinity. It is what it is. And it's it's disturbing. And it's a problem. When we come back, this isn't a problem. This is the guy that asks all the tough questions when no one else will. Peter Ducey joins The Guy Benson Show next. 
out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Who care about Guy Benson. Welcome back. This is the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Going in today, Guy will be back next week. Let's remind the guy. I don't think you need reminding, but let's just do it anyhow. Let's remind the Guy Benson Show universe just how good Fox News Channel White House correspondent Peter Goosey is. Here's a recent back and forth with Peter and White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. And this should be on the Ducey highlight reel. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, Dan, cut 24. Why is there a voicemail of the president? Talking to his son about his overseas business dealings, if the president has said he's never spoken to his son about his overseas business dealings. Well, first I'll say that uh, what the president said stands. So if he if that's what the president said, that, he, that is what stands. And second, secondly, 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 business dealings. And here, he says, I think you're clear. How is that not him talking to his son about his overseas business dealings? We're not from this podium. I am not going to talk about alleged materials from the laptop. So I will. I am not. Voice on the voice I am not going to talk about alleged materials on the laptop. Are it's you not happening. Then that it is not. Peter, I refer you to uh, to his son's representative. Alleged, alleged voice. Uh, if that's what the president said, as though there's not uh, thousands of hours of Fox News B-roll. Uh, on these things being said, whether it was Jen Psaki, whether it was the president himself, probably even pinch hitting Corrine Jean-Pierre has said it in the past. Joining us now on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is the man you just heard, White House correspondent Peter Ducey. Welcome, Peter. Uh, thanks for having me, Harry. Good talking to you. Good to be with you. Uh, I love what you do because really you're the only one that does it. A lot of people counting on you uh, to do what you do. And what's it like? You're in that room. You're basically the only one asking these questions. You hold up incredibly well. Uh, and then you cite facts and you get words thrown back at you like alleged or if. And these things that are unambiguous uh, get all turned into, you know, mixed up uh, crazy talk from the podium almost. Uh, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, uh, look, for them to say that these are alleged materials, it's kind of just the new version of them saying that the laptop is Russian disinformation. We we know that it's not. Um, we know that the laptop exists. The New York Times and the Washington Post have also confirmed this. Uh, and it, it, as far as alleged materials, we can hear the president's voice on this recording that was backed up and has been published by the Daily Beast. And so I, I, this is not the end of, of this particular story, especially because they're directing us to the to the president's son's representative. But the, the issue here is not with something that the president's son said. It's with things that the pre, future president, you know, at the time before he was elected, uh, said. 
And so we we intend to check again with his representative. Uh, See, yeah, P- Peter, that's the point. The, it, the pawn it off to the sun really is in keeping with the administration that blames Russia, 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 or blames oil companies now blaming actually, I guess, gas stations that I guess they feel should just start offering uh, a discount. And, and we all know they don't make a lot per gallon. So it's 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 not like that is a, a workable fix in this situation. And they pawn it off that you should talk to to the son's representatives. But the president is on the recording and he's using words like basically I might be slightly paraphrasing this, Peter, and we want to be precise so we're not called liars. But he's using the word that the article is coming out tomorrow, which means he knew the article was coming out tomorrow, which means he's kind of in on it to some extent. Uh, and then he says you're in the clear. So, I mean, come on. How do they how do they divorce themselves from direct involvement here? Well, again, and I'm looking at the – I have my notes right here from the briefing yesterday uh, because, again, got to have the, the facts so nobody accuses us of uh, – misrepresenting them, uh, the president said, I think you're clear. And how how does he know? (laughs) Like, does that mean that uh, he thought that there might be some some issue of impropriety there? Uh, And that's why we asked, and it would be good to have an answer. We didn't get an answer yesterday, but we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. Peter, I know your job is to report the news, not to try to make the news or speculate about the news, but doesn't it feel like the walls are closing? I mean, Democrats are now openly criticizing the president. Many are saying he shouldn't run for a second term. It seems like the floodgates are open. And maybe even a nexus here, we could bring up uh, this story about Kate Bedingfield, who I know you're aware of, Peter, you're you're on top of this, someone that you work with uh, a lot, uh, the White House communications director, is stepping down. It just feels like the floodgates are opening. Agree or disagree? Well, I don't know if the floodgates are opening, but to to your point about the trend, I'm watching this event on one of our in-house feeds right now in our basement-level White House booth, and Joe Biden is speaking in Cleveland, Ohio. They have a, a very hotly contested uh, Senate race in Ohio, and the Democrat, uh, Tim Ryan, who is a Biden Democrat, he was with them after uh, he suspended his own campaign last last cycle. Uh, Tim Ryan's not there. Couldn't no. find time uh, in the schedule. And uh, Kate Bedingfield, the communications director, did. Uh, she is now saying that she's going to leave by the end of this month. And so – it would seem maybe the officials here think the problem is just with their communications, not with the policy, but with the way that they explain the policy and the way that people hear about the policy. And so we'll, we'll see. There, Somebody else is going to have to take that job. It's a big job. She's been there the whole time uh, from the campaign, the primaries to the campaign of the transition till now. Uh, but somebody decided that it's it's time to part ways. Peter Ducey on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. You will be uttering that phrase so much over the next few years about uh, this particular person. John Fetterman uh, was had a scheduling conflict. And note, Peter, they always have a scheduling conflict. But as you know, everybody will bust any scheduling issue they have to stand next to the president of the United States when it's a, a plus. And just for anybody listening out there, like if you have a boss that works out of town and they're going to come in, you kind of have to drop everything to go see them, right? 
That's the point. You, that, you would, you would that, bust any appointment. <laughs> nothing would take precedent. You would tell anybody else, we'll do this as soon as I can. I have to be with the president. This is their excuse for not wanting to be with the president because you, you look at these polls. He's probably mired in the mid-30s, I think, if we're being overly generous, upper 30s, if you cumulate them all together. Uh, so he's a drag. So you're going to see uh, maybe the most liberal spots in America will campaign with the president, but not no battleground states will. And, and like you said, where you, the reference that you just gave, Peter, uh, he has a conflict, a scheduling conflict. We're going to be seeing a lot of that, aren't we? It seems like uh, it's heading that way. And there's really nothing the president can do about it. What What do you think in terms of every time you pose a question about whether it was, hey, when you got here, the price of a gallon of gas was $2.30, look at it now, who's to blame, Russia, 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 and all these other things. This appears to be a White House that almost they're spectators to their own presidency or their own administration. They take accountability for nothing, it seems, negative, that is. I would say that in the the recent issues, which have been the biggest drag on them, you know, you think back to this time last summer when the Afghanistan withdrawal was going terribly, and that was a a early drag on the president. And being around here, it felt like, man, things things just cannot get worse for these guys, and it's gotten a lot worse. And they have been looking for people to blame, but we've got these polls now. Like people are not buying it. I I am working on my uh, script for Brett Baer's show tonight. Ten percent of people in a Monmouth poll are saying they think the country is going in the right direction. Ten percent, one out of ten. That is a terrible number for any party in power. And, and that's the kind of thing yeah. where when when it looks like that, that's when communications directors start resigning. And Peter, on top of that, and there you have it, and and she is, is if you're just joining us, uh, Kate Benningfield is leaving. Now, you say 10 percent, say it's it's going great. It's fantastic. I, I'd like to know who these 10 percenters are because that's really amazing. But it's not like of the other 90 percent, well, 40-some percent think it's wrong track and 40-some percent are just undecided. It's like a close call and they just don't make a call. This is something like upper 80 percentile. Are, are saying we are on the wrong track. This means it's Republicans, it's Democrats, it's independents. This is really something you rarely see like this anymore. Right. And it's not sustainable if they want to keep control of Congress or get reelected. Do you think, Peter, they've miscalculated how much the American people are focused on the price of a gallon of gasoline and high inflation and that they just didn't understand what this would do to their presidency? I don't know about that because that's all very right now. But we know, based on listening to top economic officials, they did miscalculate how bad inflation was going to get if they pumped all that cash into the economy, the the so-called COVID relief, whatever, the stimulus checks. Uh, They did miscalculate the impact that would have, the the negative impact long-term. And uh, again... Things might get worse before they get better. Some of the the press secretary said yesterday we're not in a recession, but some economists have come out to say, yeah, that's just because uh, people are still hiring right now. Don't know how long it's going to last. Peter Ducey on The Guy Benson Show for a few more minutes on the Newsmaker Hotline. 
Peter, it, it reminds me of Nixon. Nixon went down the tubes. Uh, he didn't have a, a you know a, a face mask covering his face and 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 criminal outfit on you know in the Watergate hotel. It was the cover up after the fact. He lied about a bungled, stupid break-in that he didn't even need. He was going to go on to a great, you know, victory uh, re-election. And so it was the cover-up. Final comment in the next few minutes that we have, Peter. If Biden is proven, I think it already exists, and I think your question and I think the audio that we played um, during your appearance, I think it really proves in the, the Biden phone call to his son, uh, hey, you know, hey, pal or son, it's it's dad and 815, you know, no, not important, but, you know, the whole you, you got the whole transcript there. And then, the you know, the clear thing, if it's proven and I think it is, but we'll just say hypothetically we're not there yet. If it's proven that President Biden lied because it's so baked in, he never had one conversation with his son about his son's foreign business dealings. If this is proven as a bald faced lie, how big a deal is that, Peter Ducey? It's. It's a big deal if it turns out that for some reason U.S. policy was made in a way that would benefit uh, business deals with his son that he knew about. You know? Well, here let me throw let me throw this at you real quick because we're down to the to the wire here in the final minute. If I'm Peter Ducey and I'm at that uh, on that microphone and and the press secretary is there, if it wasn't important and if nothing was wrong. Why did the president lie? It would be a normal answer for I'm a dad. Uh, every dad, every mom out there. What what intellectual, honest answer could it possibly be received for someone to say, I never talked to my son about his business dealings? I mean, that I just never believed that from second one. Uh, so I really think that it's a lie about something that's not small, because if everything was legitimate, it was honest, it was explainable, of course you would say, well, Peter, of course I've talked to my son about his business dealings. I'm his father. You don't get that answer, though. No. And look, hey, I talk to my dad about my, my business dealings all the time. There you go. Uh, that's, a normal, that's a normal thing. But there's a federal grand jury involved with this uh, Hunter Biden probe. Uh, you know, they're looking at everything. And so uh, it might be one of those things. Hey, don't take the president's word for it. Take uh, all these sworn witnesses word for it. And, and we could be getting there at some point. Peter, great to be with you. Have a good day. Thanks, Harry. You're welcome. Peter Ducey, we'll be back in just a moment. It's The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back next week. Two stories we want to get in before the bottom of the hour, and then we're going to be joined by Fox News Channel correspondent Griff Jenkins. And, boy, there's a lot to talk about at our southern border. Very serious situation going on, and uh, Griff is the perfect person to talk to about it. We are watching norms in our country that, that haven't been going on for five minutes. They've been going on for hundreds of years. And remember, we're, what, three or four years, uh, thereabouts, away from our 250th anniversary. That's going to be, under any other normal situation other than the bizarro world, a very, very big time in America and in American history. But all norms seem to be suspended or, in some cases, even ended. For example, does anyone really believe that the New York Times forgot to print 
the Declaration of Independence in their newspaper, the Old Gray Lady, for the first time in 100 years? I'm sorry that there's just too many there's too many smart people that that know it's July 4th tomorrow. And uh, oops, we forgot. I mean, when did they remember when someone first pointed it out? By the way, did they go? I don't know. Did they? I'm not a reader of The New York Times. I I don't like it. Uh, Never did, actually. And I don't consider it a paper of record for anything that's truthful. But did they put an apology out? Did they print a really beautiful digital edition on the 4th of July? It certainly wasn't in the print edition. Then you go to the Washington Post in a piece that many women are taking a knee this July 4th, wearing black and not celebrating the 4th of July because they don't believe that it's America's Independence Day. There's something that we need to pay attention to that's going on here that I don't believe can be denied. And that there, that there is a woke atmosphere in certain quarters of this country that they don't – not only do they not love America, it seems, although they want to take every advantage that the greatest, freest nation in the history of the world offers. They want everything they can take, but they just don't seem to believe in the contract of citizenship or loving the country or respecting that and I would ask everyone if you've never done it, please. I wrote a lengthy piece about this several years ago, about the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. You should see what happened to some of them. It was the daringest, most risky proposition you could ever imagine, where they put their lives, their homes, all of their wealth on the line. And look, a majority of the American people did not want to get off a bended knee and worship the King of England. A minority brought the United States of America. It's an extraordinary story, and you should check it out. And and on this taking a knee, and, and that somehow th- this is not your country, that, that to me does, to quote Will Robinson, or the robot rather, on Lost in Space, that does not compute. It makes no sense whatsoever. So it's disturbing. It's what I call bizarro world. They don't like the Declaration of Independence. They seem to hate the Constitution of the United States even more. It's, it's remarkable to see this happening. Uh, but to say you forgot to print the Declaration of Independence, uh, let's see if anybody got fired. Who was responsible? Who should have remembered that forgot? And you'll see nothing's going to happen because in my estimation, they didn't forget. This is how they wanted it to be. They didn't want to have to answer to their woke mob. Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent, is next on The Guy Benson Show. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back next week. Welcome to a very busy news day, and welcome to the Guy Benson Show. On the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline is a very longtime friend of mine, and I was just saying this to the great Dan, uh, that this is the best in the country at what he does. 
And he'll back it up in just a couple of minutes. He was at the border just last week, the southern border. Uh, It is stunning what is going on and the lack of intellectual curiosity by the national media is breathtaking. Fortunately, that's not the case at Fox News, and that's certainly not the case with Fox News correspondent Griff Jenkins, who joins us now. Griff, welcome to The Guy Benson Show, my friend. Harry, where I got to make sure I got the address right to send a check in the mail. Such kind yeah, words. You have friend. it in your Rolodex, and I appreciate your kindness and your consideration in that regard. Uh, Listen, you'll, yeah, you'll Harry, be, you'll be you, listening to our you will. Are, you are awesome on the radio. Our listeners may not remember I started in talk radio in the '90s with Ollie North's radio show, then uh, Tony Snow's, and you are. So good. And I'll just tell you, you know, there aren't many people that I would come out of the water. I'm actually off for a couple of days down in South Carolina surfing. And Christine called said, hey, Harry's still in. Any chance you get to jump on? I said, for Harry Hurley? You bet, buddy. Always happy to join you, my friend. And I knew you did that, Griff. <clears throat> and, I, and I thank you for uh, for your friendship. And I thank you for your partnership here. And I know that this is such an important discussion and and obviously made even more so with the recent Supreme Court ruling, uh, and we'll get to that as well. You were there a week ago to the U.S. southern border. Uh, what was your what are your findings? Well, and you're right, Harry. This is such an important conversation. Not because Fox chooses to talk about it, and no one else in the media does, and we want to make it an issue. It is. I have been covering the border. Since 2010, when then-Republican Governor Jan Brewer was trying to deputize her state troopers because they were having a surge in migrants and in drugs. But it pales in comparison, the numbers now. And I have watched over the last 12 years the border go to a, a situation that every time it increases, I'm shocked. Then there was the Biden administration. And in the last 17 months, it is not an exaggeration to say we are nearing a loss of sovereignty on our border. To hear when I was down on the border last week and 10,000 miles away across the ocean at the G7, to hear Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, say the fact of the matter is the border is closed – that is an absolute abject mistruth. Yeah. I don't want to accuse her of lying, but it is anything but. In the seven days, I kept track, Harry, in the seven days I was on the ground. In the Del Rio sector alone, there were 11,299 apprehensions of migrants crossing. We had multiple migrant deaths. Everybody remembered on that Monday the 53 tragically dying in that tractor trailer in San Antonio, just north of where it was in in Eagle Pass. But in Eagle Pass, in that sector around where we were, there were two smuggling operations gone wrong. Uh, Both ended up in high-speed car crashes. Two migrants died in one, four died in the other. And you have an absolute uh, uh, disaster on the border because of one specific reason, and that is the Biden administration's open border policies are causing the cartels to market their services in a way that they've never had the opportunity. They are the, the driving motivation, the incentive for the cartels to smuggle people is because 
under this administration, if the migrants get there, make it, survive, then they will achieve what they ultimately want, which is to be turned loose in America with no one coming to get them, and they'll pay any amount of money they can find to try and do it. We are visiting with Griff Jenkins, Fox News correspondent extraordinaire, on a very, very important topic that it cannot be. It has to be on purpose. I know you're a very objective reporter, Griff, but the fact that the rest of the media, it's a Biden protection program. They they refuse to cover what's going on here. It means they must want this to, to happen. I, I, I think it's a, uh, a Democratic voter uh, canvassing drive effort is what's been going on with the numbers we've seen over the last couple of years. Dan mentioned the pre-show meeting with Christine Wyatt and I, and it, it reminds me uh, of your comment that, that you publicly released uh, at Griff Jenkins on your Twitter account, quote, you cannot stand next to a building burning and say the building is not on fire. But remember, the Democrat media did say such things, and this is what Dan brought up in our meeting, fiery but mostly peaceful protesters. You remember that, right, Griff? Yeah. 100-foot-high flames shooting in the sky, (laughs) fiery but mostly peaceful protests. So you're a very objective reporter, but your head must want to explode when you have to listen to Secretary Mayorkas say we're doing a good job and the border is closed? My head is exploding, and I am a fair, objective reporter. I appreciate you pointing that out. And I won't ascribe uh, uh, ulterior motives to this administration, but take it from those that held the job. I've interviewed former DHS Secretary, Acting Secretary Chad Wolf. I've interviewed former Acting ICE Director Tom Homan. All of these guys had professional careers in this specific world and were serious adults. They all say that it has to be intentional. There's no way they would allow it to happen to get to where we are. And to hear, and I went on Howie Kurtz on Sunday after I watched uh, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who goes by Ali? I've known him for more than 15 years. He's a neighbor of mine in Georgetown, and I interviewed him first when he was the director of the USCIS under President Obama. And to hear him say that this is the result of COVID, poverty, oh. violence, and ultimately climate change, it's stunning to me. But you know what, Harry? I'll even give that to him. Because if you spend enough time around the border officials that I have, they explain to you that irregular migration happens for two reasons. A push factor, which pushed the migrants out of their home countries, and the pull factor that made them believe that they could come here. And as we just described, the opportunity to come has never been greater. And so those push factors, listen, there probably is the violence. There's certainly the poverty. Maybe the climate change and COVID as well, but it is the pull factor that ultimately brings them across our border and the numbers are coming. And, you know, honestly, the other thing I want to quickly touch on is the migrant deaths. I broke the news last week that there have been 518 migrant deaths this fiscal year to date. The administration will not release that number. And they also did not report a number at all. It all started with me going to my border officials, who I talked to a lot off the record, because Ali Marcus won't sit down and do an interview with me. I wish he would. 
but they won't talk to Fox. They ignore us. But on the back channel to get the information out, they will at least communicate with me. And I said, why have you not posted since Biden took office? You've not posted any migrant death data border wide. But yet the last one is available, which was under President Trump right. in fiscal year 2020. That's 247. Right now it's 518, not including the 53. That's more than double. I can only assume it is political motivation of why yeah. they won't release that data. And we're only halfway through this year, and it's that number already. Griff Jenkins is on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, uh, the best in the business at what he does in his space. Uh, he has no equal. This issue of officially designating this as an invasion. For those in the Guy Benson universe, the elections have consequences. The president, the executive branch, they they put their policies into effect. It was to not finish the border wall at the southern border, even though the materials were purchased and the contract and the money was all there. I think they actually paid people not to work. It's so radical, uh, their decision, but they were elected, and that that's why elections have consequences. However, Cannot the state of Texas, can, for example, or any border state, can they not officially declare it as officially an invasion? And it's my understanding, Griff, that that opens up a world of possibilities. Well, we don't know yet, to be honest. And I saw there is a uh, meeting that I was uh, invited to taking place down in Texas um, this week that was many of the statewide border officials talking about declaring invasion. And the reason why they feel compelled to take a drastic measure like that is because the security of our borders is a federal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so they see the federal government in an absolute derelict of duty uh, in enforcing that. Um, but whether or not they're going to succeed, I, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I think that, you know, what you're seeing now with the Supreme Court ruling uh, that is going to allow the administration to ultimately phase out uh, the remain in Mexico policy, uh, a, a, a a sign that, you know, the Supreme Court, the high court still says that the federal government is in charge of that border. And so I'm not sure this declaration of an invasion will will get ultimately what what it would take. And it, what it would take, Harry, is federal resources. And they're not getting that. Yeah. And, and I know what I know, you know what you're saying is correct. And there's a lot to it because Governor Abbott has not jumped quickly on this. So it looks like something that some are saying but that it's not the panacea that, that many think. This much I can say, though, and we've talked about this, you and I, uh, in a previous uh, Guy Benson show, and that is that the money was there, the materials were even there. That border, southern border wall could have been finished. What would be a legitimate reason to not secure your country at the border when there's such a problem? It, really, couldn't it only be, and I know you're a reporter and not an opinion journalist, but wouldn't it? Couldn't it only be that they want the border to be open? This is their this is their strategy. It's their plan. Well, it certainly seems like that. I mean, there's very little being done to try and slow these numbers, which you cannot overstate. <clears throat> My uh, good friend and colleague Bill Malusia now is in Eagle Pass this week, where I was last week. And we're seeing these groups now of four, five hundred a day, and 
I remember, Harry, when we had a group of 100. That's classified a, quote, large group by the Border Patrol. Now it's three, four, five hundred every day all across the border. And that tells you that they are not only not worried about it, but that they're basically accepting it as the norm. And that's the problem. This, if this is the norm, then we really are not going to have a chance of getting the border under control. No. And not only do they have the means and wherewithal to complete the border wall, which simply would cause it to be more orderly at very best. It's not going to hold people out, but it does help the Border Patrol officials to control yeah. the vast space. But it would now save American taxpayers because of the millions of dollars we're spending a day to literally house unused border material. Mm. Griffin, it is now my official duty and my privilege, distinct honor, to return you to your vacation day. And as your friend, <laughs> thank you for coming on The Guy Benson Show with us. Hey, Harry, thank you, and I am always happy to join you every time. Nobody does it better, brother. Have a good one. You too, Griff. Be well. We're going to be right back. Please don't go away. It's a big news day today. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. Guy has a day off. He'll be back next week. I am partnering today with Christine Wyatt and Dan. You already know that. I'm Harry Hurley, an honor to fill in for Guy today. It is a big news day, and welcome to The Guy Benson Show. You've heard this expression, and sometimes expressions get overused, so then they almost become like the Charlie Brown, you don't see the parents ever, wah, 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 and that kind of thing. But it is a big deal. The United States and the United Kingdom have what's called a, quote, special relationship, end quote. And what that means is, even though obviously uh, when you think about 246 years ago, what was going on, and actually you could even go a few years before that, so really more than 250 years ago, what was going on, who would believe? It, It shows that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how you start. It's always in life how you finish. So this special relationship exists. And then what happened was we flipped the script. The United Kingdom was the big dog. And the colonies were, you know, they were part of the United Kingdom. And then this great experiment called a democratic republic, not a democracy. We need to get our history straight. A lot of people, you hear these high-ranking elected officials, our democracy. We are not a pure democracy. We are a representative republic. And they looked at many different forms of government. I think they set, and I know there was divine intervention. That's, that's my belief because too many things came together. How, how was the vaunted United Kingdom, England military, how were they ever defeated? How were they defeated by the assets that George Washington had at his disposal. You, you have to believe. I believe in George Washington, General, then Washington's greatness, uh, and he was the commander-in-chief of the military, but it was ragtag. They didn't have provisions. They didn't have really anything, but they, they, had, they had heart, though, and, and they, they knew they didn't have the materials they needed, so they went, they went to surprise attack in the cold time when everybody would bunker down and not fight, but they knew to win that they could do it like that. 
So we go now 246, 250 years later, and the, the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is in a world of hurt right now. Uh, he is in big trouble, and he has survived in the past. See, it's not like America. You can impeach a president. It's very you, That's not as hard to do. That can be done even at a partisan level, but it's very tough to get a conviction in the Senate. And the reason we know that, it's never happened. Uh, president Johnson came within one vote of being impeached, or rather being removed, convicted, and removed. He was not uh, ultimately removed, and he survived by one vote. The whole story behind that, we don't have time to tell you. It's fascinating about how that all went down. It was very, very close to him being removed. But here's Boris Johnson, and you know it's getting bad when you see the Treasury chief quit, the health secretary quit. They're, they're openly saying they have no confidence. We no longer have confidence in the prime minister. Now, they called for that vote of confidence and a, a few weeks back, and Prime Minister Boris Johnson survived it. It is now hanging in the balance and increasingly fraught with the potential that Boris Johnson could be removed from office. This is trending very, very bad for him. Uh, I only had the opportunity to scratch the surface, but there is great coverage at The Wall Street Journal. So check that out. It's very, very good about a very, very uh, challenging situation. It's The Guy Benson Show. We will be back in just a little bit. We're going to be talking about Brittany Griner next. It is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back next week. This is going to be time well spent. This is an important story that I really don't think has been getting covered uh, by as many people as it should. I will say that, and, and it's not to, to be gratuitous, Fox News has done solid reporting on this very, very important topic. Because look, anytime you have an American citizen who has had their freedom taken from them in another country and under what I think are extremely suspicious circumstances, I, I, I will just say it in my mind. This is so easy to see that this is Vladimir Putin grabbing a prominent American who is a superstar athlete uh, it, you don't have to be a huge women's basketball fan uh, to probably have heard uh, the name Griner and what a great player she is and was. And she goes into Russia. Long story short, uh, they get her at the inspection of, of her luggage with um, vaping device. And then they say that there was um, a certain oil that was an illegal contraband. And they lock her up. Then it looked like maybe she was going to be getting out. And then they had a hearing and she's still there. And you get to the point where it becomes extremely important. We, we have to remember to remember our people. That, that is so important. But also, when you get put into bad circumstances like this, and it's for an extended period of time, it can have a permanent impact psychologically physically. So it's very important that we get her out of there. And she's unjustly, in my estimation, being detained. And under the heading, the squeaky wheel gets the grease because President Biden hadn't 
done much about this. Maybe there's some people back channels and different things going on, but but certainly um, uh, Sherelle Griner, who is the spouse, uh, she she hadn't heard anything from the president about this. Dan, cut 25. The first time she voted was in 2020, and that vote was for President Biden. Have you heard from him? I still have not heard from him, and honestly, um, it's very disheartening. Well, look how she did that. That was perfect. She didn't burn the house down to rule the ashes. Gail King, CBS News credit there, media credit, asks a great question, perfect question. And this gave her, Sherelle Griner, the opportunity to say, I still have not heard from him. And honestly, it's very disheartening. So by not burning the house down and ruling the ashes, however, calling out the president with a velvet touch, what do you know? And I don't believe in coincidences. I don't know if you do, but I don't. I never did. And this isn't one. This isn't the first. It's not an accident that President Biden and Vice President Harris called Sherelle Griner. I don't know what they said, if they gave her some kind of update. Hey, sorry you haven't heard from us, but we are really working on this. Uh, I, I always hold hope. I do believe that there's probably an informal type of what they call back channel, where it might not be the official representatives, but maybe former elected officials, and you designate someone as a special envoy of sorts, and the people know that they have, that they're speaking for the United States, but they do so unofficially. And again, this is nothing I am saying here is 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 reported. Uh, it's my take on what I think is going on, because I just don't believe that we're leaving any American or a prominent American to to sit in a Russian jail to endure whatever treatment Russia decides uh, is is going to be the standard, and we need to get her out of there. Uh, so I think today, by Sherelle Griner speaking out on behalf of her wife, who cannot speak. Now, you probably saw the Fox News reporting in the past several days, maybe right before or right after the holiday, uh, that Griner herself wrote a letter, to a handwritten letter, to the president. And you know, listen, you know how Russia works. Russia is big on propaganda, so they love the opportunity for that to get out and the American people to see, oh, look at this, she's writing a handwritten letter to the president, and they use this. Uh, for their own political propaganda purposes. But it is a um, it's a significant issue. I think she should have been out of there a long time ago. Obviously, America, the United States of America, directly participating to the degree we have in helping Ukraine with with think about it. Millions and millions, billions. What am I saying? Millions, billions of dollars uh, in assistance in the war with Russia. Uh, Russia is obviously none too happy about that. So how do they punish you? They grab one of your own. Do you think in any normal relationship when things were much better than they are right now that an American, prominent American championship, uh, Olympic champion, uh, women's NBA champion, a legend, one of the biggest legends, if not the biggest legend in the history of her sport, do you really think – that Russia would hold on to a prominent American like this 
Uh, it's because she's so prominent and because the relationship is so horrifically bad at the moment. Now, some of it can't be helped because we're going to help Ukraine, and, and I, I believe that's the right thing to do and have from the beginning. So obviously that's not in Russia's best interests. So they're looking at it very, very differently. But this is something, keep an eye, keep a close eye on what's going to be happening with this. Uh, I, I believe that Brittany Griner will be out of there. Uh, and I do think that Sherelle Griner did it exactly right. You get it out there. Look, she didn't come out and do some kind of press conference and, and trash the president or the vice president. A, a CBS national reporter asked her, uh, you know, and she acknowledged that she voted for Biden. The first time she voted was in 2020. She voted for President Biden. Have you heard from him? No, I, I still have not heard from him. And honestly, it's very disheartening. I'll tell you what. If you were a life coach and you were teaching someone how to be effective, how to get the truth out, how to really put someone on the spot but do it with a velvet, soft touch, I don't think you could do it any better than Sherelle Griner did it. And and incidentally, it got her a phone call today that she hadn't gotten in all this time uh, that this has been going on. So it's something that I do believe – I mean she's not going to be in there forever – and I, I see this resolving sooner rather than later, but I don't have a feel for exactly what that will mean. But this will certainly incentivize the administration to do the right thing, to get on top of it. I think it's, it's easy to just say, look how long she's been in there. Uh, I always believe in, in telling the truth. I always think it's the best policy. You don't have to remember what you said versus what you say the next time. And then you can say, if you have something that's critical, even hypercritical to say, then you have credibility. Because, look, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I think they are trying to get her out. And I think that Vladimir Putin is pushing this as far as he can push it. But it will get to the point where she'll be let go. They'll do some compassionate uh, reduction time serve type of deal. She'll probably get flown out of there with some kind of um, legal status that she's not allowed to return to Russia. That, that's how they'll do it. They'll save a little bit of face that they're not uh, cowering to anyone, uh, and they'll keep her there for a long time to show, look what we were able to do. You, you think you're the mightiest country in the world, but we're holding one of your prominent citizens until we say so. So that's what's going on. It, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. And I think in the end, she is a political pawn. I don't think there's any way uh, to look at that differently. When we come back, we're going to be talking about California Governor Gavin Newsom, because this guy, we had Peter Ducey on earlier. He's not a Ducey. He's a doozy. This guy is amazing. And if you think about it, all of these prominent Democrats, whether it's Nancy Pelosi in the beauty salon when you weren't allowed to be, or the great dinners around the table, and Newsom was at one of those, uh, and they're all yucking it up, no face masks on, really makes you believe that everything they did was show. Because every time you, 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 you have an opportunity to catch them in the act, they're not doing it. 
Remember President Biden? He was in this story. He had no mask on. There was a sign. He it was totally embarrassing. There was a sign in his proximity. So when the whether it was video or still photography, when you captured the video or the photograph, you could see face mask required. But he wasn't wearing one. And we have countless examples of this. And Newsom, this isn't the first time. So what do they say? It's uh, do as I say, not as I do. And there's one other uh, variation of that that escapes me, that, that sort of rhymes, thy and something. Uh, something is good for you, but not for them. And this is another example. The California governor, Gavin Newsom, who I believe fancies himself, show you how political fortunes can change. He went from there was a point in time where he actually could have been recalled. They kicked the can. They made it. They took it to the very furthest limit that they could. And and then the atmosphere did change. And Newsom survived the vote that would have removed him from office. Only Gray Davis had ever been removed as a governor uh, from the state of California as former Governor Schwarzenegger would say. And he goes from being in a recall mode to surviving the recall to now fancying himself, make no mistake about it, as a Democratic candidate for president of the United States. I think it's very likely that he's running in 2024, even if President Biden runs. Now, one of the things I always marvel about is it seems like Democrats can do anything, and you just get away with it. I don't, I don't know who writes these rules, but it just seems that way. And here is Governor Newsom, and we'll talk about it in some detail when we come back, enjoying a Montana vacation. Now you might say, well, leave him alone. He's on vacation. Griff Jenkins was on vacation, and, and we're good friends, so he, he went away from his vacation and came on. So don't don't get don't get on top of, you know, climb on top of Gavin Newsom's back because he's enjoying a vacation. I, I listen, I give everybody a vacation, but he's enjoying a Montana vacation despite an LGBTQ state travel ban that's in effect. Now, if you want to jump ahead, New York Post dot com has excellent reporting on this topic. We're going to share with you uh, what the governor is doing. Yes, you have to say the, the delicious hypocrisy of it all. And more when we come back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back next week. For all that have a strong dislike, I won't say hate. Hate's too strong. But maybe in some cases it's not. But a strong dislike for politics and for many politicians that say one thing and do another. And then they try to torture the English language to get out of it and, and play verbal gymnastics and all of it. And under the heading that rules for thee and not for me, this is a perfect example. And from the reporting of the New York Post, we can share with you that Governor Gavin Newsom of California is vacationing in Montana. Now, if Democrats didn't take the position that that's one of the states that we say you're not allowed to go to. I mean, they set these rules up and they play these games, games of canceling people and 
trying to hurt people and these these things that I just don't believe in. Uh, let the free market, you know, have at it. You don't need to tell people where they can and can't go. But Democrats have banned state travel to certain states. And let's be honest, one of them is Montana. So Gavin Newsom is vacationing in Montana. An industrious New York Post reporter comes up with, hey, that's, uh, you know, pretty hypocritical. That, that's that's pretty amazing, fantastical that um, that's where you're, tra- you know, you're vacationing to. Well, this is where politicians and their staff, they give such a bad name to their profession. They say, and I quote, the travel ban applies to using state funds. The governor's travel is not being paid by the state. So in other words, are you kidding me? Is there any principle about this at all? So so you're going to torture the English language by saying that the governor's travel is not being paid by the state. And then, of course, they're always very sanctimonious about it. Newsom Communications Director Aaron Mellon said to the uh, New York Post today that the travel ban only applies to, quote, expending state funds, quote, the governor's travel is not being paid for by the state. Connecting the two is irresponsible and falsely implies that there is something untoward, end quote. Wrong. Uh, let me share the one other quote from uh, Aaron Mellon. This is a personal trip, quote, to visit family who live outside the state. We do not comment on the governor's detail due to security concerns because that was why, because the New York Post said, all right, well, all right, the governor is, is not, the state's not paying for the governor, the taxpayer coffers, but what about his security detail? So you know you have your answer here. It's just like the Biden White House. Liars who lie about lying. Quote, this is a personal trip to visit family members who live outside the state. We did not. We do not comment on the governor's detail due to security concerns. Well, let me ask you this. That's a funny answer to who's paying for it. That doesn't affect the governor's safety. You're not asking at, at what point is the governor going to arrive at point X marks the spot. Does that make the governor less safe if you tell the public that the public is paying for this. And and even if that's not the case, but I think it is, and now maybe they'll do something later because when politicians get caught, they try to cover their tracks. Maybe the detail will somehow, who knows, get reimbursed some other way uh, personally or some other way other than the state taxpayers. But It stands to reason, and I would never even criticize, uh, these are very dangerous times, and the governor deserves to be protected. The other side plays games about protection. I don't do that. So I have no problem with the security detail being there, but just tell us, are the taxpayers paying for it? Because if they are, then you're lying because taxpayer funds are being used for this type of purpose. But this is why people have such a strong dislike for politicians, because they always tell you Biden campaigned that we will be the most transparent administration in American history, and we will always tell you the truth. My goodness. I mean, that's a five alarm whopper, five, ten Pinocchios. That's uh, just liar, liar, your pants are on fire, dishonesty on parade. This has been a, a completely dishonest deceptive administration. I think the worst that I've covered in 30 years. But that shows you they're not willing 
to show the principle of why it isn't about that state funds aren't being used for it. You're not supposed to go there. That's what your Democrats said. We'll be back. Don't go away. This is The Guy Benson Show. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for The Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Oops, I think we're going to violate the happy hour uh, here in the first segment because this is not this is not a happy topic, but it's a profound one. It's a very important one to discuss. And earlier today on the Fox News Channel, Dr. Mark Siegel had, I thought, the most measured, sobering, just spot on, intellectually smart analysis of what this mass shooting epidemic uh, that we're experiencing is all about. I went back uh, 40 years, 4-0, 40 years, and the, the, the numbers are just stunning. It's, it's men. It's a, a lot of the times very young men, uh, the majority of the time young white men, uh, over 50 percent of the last 120 or 132 Mass shootings, 53% have been white males, typically very young white males. As of late, almost solely young white males. And there's something to this. And Dr. Siegel, I think, has figured it out. It's the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Guy, we'll be back next week. Uh, On the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline is one of the best in the business. Fox News medical correspondent, Dr. Mark Siegel, the author of COVID, The Politics of fear and the power of science. You can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Mark, Mark with a C, Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Siegel, welcome back. Great to be on with you, Harry. Always great. Thank great, you. Great to be with you, sir. And I really believed in your take on this relative to what's going on here. You see the one side blames the gun. The other side then has to take the other position. It's not the gun. Uh, you talked about the mental health aspect of all of this. The, the floor is yours. The time is yours. Listen, the key is not, oh, it's a mental health problem, because then everybody in the United States with depression or anxiety or ADHD says, well, are you pointing a finger at me? It's not that. It's a subgroup of people who have provocations multiple that lead to violent thoughts, violent expressions. And not, then I, I could have gone on and said, and not everybody with violent expressions actually is going to go on to do something like this. I mean, you know... Uh, we we you know we we've seen multiple examples of that uh, but 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 that's the group i would start looking at and this particular uh person you know was on social media uh with constant references to guns and violence and suicide and and uh and homicide and and death tunes and I mean, that was his rapper mentality that he had. Yeah. And then on top of that, he actually had a suicide attempt that was recorded, and then he was amassing knives. So how is it that that person slides through what I would call our mental health safety net? That's the real issue here. You know, how can that – How can if we ever needed an example, and I hate to use a crime as an example, especially horrific crime like this, but if we ever needed an example, 
that it's not the gun, but it's the issue of who can buy them and how and why. This this proves it. Yeah. I mean, how did how the heck did he pass background checks? And his father brings him to buy guns while he's busy on social media, you know, showing school shootings and responding after it on on social media and having photos of Lee Harvey Oswald. Are you kidding? And allegedly threaten his own family, uh, and then they take him. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's beyond comprehension. Is there something to now? You're the doctor. Uh, I'm just the fill-in guy here. Is there something to the development of the brain that different things happen? I think a lot of people think, "Hey, I'm 18 now." There's things that happen after 18 years old, 19 years old, early 20s even. Is there something about this age group set of upper teens to very early 20s that they seem now? Maybe it's just a coincidence, which I don't believe in coincidences, Doctor Siegel. But it seems like that age group, there is either something impressionable there, some suspension of disbelief. I don't know what it is, but lately it seems like it's very young males that are doing these things. Well, Harry, you got to understand it's statistically so infrequent that I don't want to paint the brush of, of a particular age group. In this particular case, he was isolated clearly. He had a terrible family from what we're understanding. And again, we're only hearing part of it, but, you know, cops showing up at the house, you know, his mother, the obviously very provocative behavior, um, you know, yet he, he maintained a relationship with her and that literally after the shootings went and borrowed a car. I mean, the, the issue where the father, knowing he has psychiatric problems is bringing him to buy guns and living with his uncle. You know, the the social media part I emphasized on TV this morning, really important because of copycatisms. And we have this horrible, negative, violent culture on social media that people are seeking out and rapping, you know, and rappers. And again, I'm not painting a brush against rap music. I think it's a tremendous advance, actually. It's a combination of poetry and, 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 and street jargon and prose. Really interesting uh, form of music. It's not rap. It's 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 the, the the way that this particular person chose to express himself, and he's not alone. That's the problem. There's a contagiousness to this that really worries me. What do you think? I thought you. I I know you brought up a very good point a few minutes ago, Doctor Siegel, and it was not branding mental health so broadly that this is is a very narrow. If maybe you called it subset or something like that, I'll call it that. If you didn't, uh, what? What's the answer in your estimation as a medical doctor relative to how we handle this going forward? Because, you know, after the fact, we learn, oh, my God, he had Lee Harvey Oswald. He had he had all this stuff going on on his uh, YouTube channel. And then we learn about the police were there to see him and all these different things that we learn about after the fact. What what could we do better to be more proactive, not reactive? I think I said it at the beginning of this morning, and you already em- emphasized it. It's the it's the politics of this that have destroyed reform, where one group is saying it's all about guns, when I, I didn't get to say on TV this morning, because it wasn't relevant, that 
people buy guns even if they're illegal. I mean, I, you, you know, so gun control is important, especially with assault rifles. But, you know, they're going to get guns. And, and But in the, folk, in the political war or fight that's going on between gun control and mental health on the other side, what's lost is not just the subcategory, but how is it that we miss warning signs like this? I mean, deeply disturbing that he passed background checks. But isn't there a way that we can figure we can follow this? And I said also this morning, there's way too much censoring people on social media, but not enough being alert to the, to someone crying out for help or at least showing us a warning sign. And and with this, with, with Robert Cremo, it was hugely apparent that there was that this was in the works. And even the killing itself was Lee Harvey Oswald style, wasn't it? Yeah, he left his weapon there. I mean, it seemed like his homage uh, to someone he he idolized. I think you're right about that. Dr. Mark Siegel is on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, a distinguished Fox News medical correspondent. We're talking about this horrific mass shooting of the July 4th parade. Uh, just so tragic. Seven dead, dozens, I think three dozen is the latest number, 36 injured. And here's w- where I think we have a big problem with the very young Adults that are getting uh, easily getting these weapons and passing the background checks, Dr. Siegel, I know this is not in the lane of a medical doctor, but it's it's in the lane of reality of what's going on. If they have a juvenile situation, it's not showing up in that background check. They're 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 so young that the only record they have is is pre adult status. So they come out clean in every background check. And I, I know we've seen that in the last several that we're capable of doing this but yet can pass a background check. Well, that's got to be reformed, Harry. You can't be uh, a suicidal and, and it's reported to the police and you yep. somehow get a gun. Because as I pointed out this morning, suicide and homicide are not that far apart. The hopelessness is a feature that provokes this, the, the kind of behavior that this, that this, that this led to. Whether, whether it's homicidal ideation or suicidal ideation... It's something that you have to pay complete attention to. And people get squeamish because if you're on the side that the Second Amendment is under assault and the right to bear arms is is a provision of the Constitution, the Second Amendment. So they're afraid to ever give an inch because if you give an inch, they feel like the right is going to be taken away. But I really do believe if people didn't get hung up on that and just accepted, hey, the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. The right to bear arms is, is not under attack here. But we have to look at exactly what you just said, the background check of someone that the police were very interested in on multiple occasions. They went to the house. They didn't find guns. They found other things. And then all these other things that you've brought up that are very, very valid, uh, the suicide attempt, very disturbing, because if someone's willing to take their own life, does that make them – you're the doctor. If you're willing to take your own life, can we say that that would mean – that you would be capable of taking someone else's life? Well, certainly that's on my mind. But in this case, with Robert Cremo, he was showing both ideations. Yes, he was showing, right. you know, these videos of, of cartoon characters and hanging, holding guns and getting killed and, and death music. I mean, clearly he was thinking both ways. But, yeah, there's, there's a definite connection. And the other thing that I thought, which I didn't mention today earlier, is the dissociation factor of someone that performs something so grisly and horrible and then goes to bar, goes to his thinks to go to his mother's house to go get a car almost as if there's
there's nothing wrong. That type of dissociation from reality uh, is deeply, deeply disturbing, and I think that social media promotes it. I think social media, you hide behind your image on social media or, again, on YouTube, as you said, and then, and then you know, you, you're not even – thinking about empathy for other people. I think it encouraged whatever, likely encouraged whatever deterioration of his, of his mental condition that was going on here. We need the mental health providers there. We need, we need to see these things as calls for help. We, and now, I don't know how to do that because you actually made another point. I'm not trying to intrude on people's privacy. Yeah. You know, we, we got to watch out for that. Yeah. But certainly someone like this should have been on major radar, and I'd much rather he be on mental health radar school mental health radar, let's say, than police radar, because obviously um, arresting him in advance of this, that probably wouldn't have been the right approach either. But on some kind of mental health radar, and certainly shouldn't be able to buy a gun. That might, I'm going to still pose the question, but that might be the definitive answer, because I agree with you. There wasn't enough to arrest him, but they were very interested in him because of what he was doing. And now this happens. So then everybody says, oh, my gosh, you knew and you didn't do anything. What do we do? You may have already said it, but what we have less than a minute. What do we do so that it's not you and I or you and Guy talking next time about the next one? What do we do about this? What we do is we finally got one that fits a certain paradigm uh, that we could actually have predicted this, and it it better shake us up. We we can learn from this. We can learn, again, to shut down social media in a direction of not censoring what people say, but but alerts go off and it's got to be connected to something. School's got to be more involved and on the lookout. That's where he's going every day. Family discontent and destruction. all of this is something that and and the lack of mental health providers at all that are looking at these issues. We, are, we have a huge scarcity of doctors and other providers in the United States that are that are leaning towards psychology or psychiatry. That has to be addressed as soon as possible. Dr. Siegel, and, great to visit with you today. Yeah, Harry, always good to be on with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. We're going to be right back. When we come back, we will be joined by the executive producer of The Guy Benson Show, Christine. The topic, this is going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting, and it will fit within the happy hour theme. Uh, we violated it because of the, the nature of the timeliness of, and the responsibility to report about what's going on uh, with, with the horrific mass shooting that took place on America's Independence Day. But this is very different from that. This is going to be the surprising case for marrying young, which is something that does not appear to be taking place in this era, not error, E-R-A, era, much more straight ahead with Christine. This is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. All right, I know what Dan's doing. He's got a little vibe there going. Well, first, let me thank executive producer Christine for the privilege of filling in today. Christine, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. Well, hello, Harry Hurley. We love having you on. And let's be honest, Guy would rather you take the reins than me, which I beg every time, but they just won't let me. Well, you would be great. And I love seeing you at New York at Talkers as well. What a great team. Oh, that was so fun. I forgot. 
forgot you and I had never met in person. That We've is correct. Working together for years, and, and I do give you permission. I do give you permission to say on your own show that I I look much younger. That how could I possibly be married this October seventeenth for forty one years with how young we look? Come on. I, I I mean I didn't even recognize you when I when you walked up to See? me. I'm like, no way can this be Harry Hurley? Yeah, ben, Benjamin Button. No I'm, I'm aging in reverse. <laughs> All right, so here we go. George and Barbara Bush were married young, stayed married for 73 years, only ending when former First Lady Barbara Bush passed away on April 17th of 2018. They would have been married longer. So what do you say to this Institute for Family Studies that you and I read and agreed to do the segment together that the idea of me getting married at 21 and – are you going to say what age you were when you got married? I was one week shy from 30. So there you go. I, I, I made it a point, actually, to pick right before my birthday because I wanted to say I was married in my 20s, but I was one week shy of my birthday. So I will say you, what you're doing is what seems to be the case today. People are waiting to get married maybe a decade or so longer. Evidently, this belief that you're going to have fun and do things and do other things because once you're married, you're, you know, you're tied down or whatever the reasons are. We went the other route. We got married very young. I was 21 years old. Margie was slightly, slightly older, 22. And October 17th, we will be happily married. We don't stay married to stay married. We we love each other and we'll be married 41 years in, in a few months. So I think that you're doing what is being done today, and I did what this surprising study showed makes for the longest-lasting marriages. Is that about right? Um, no, I don't agree with this at all because we've seen the data. I mean, what is it? Like one in two marriages wind up in divorce. You, I think you're – case and i've met your beautiful bride she's lovely and you guys are adorable together that is very rare let's be honest um i believe that it is very hard to get married so young unless you two are really going to grow up together and it is very very hard to do that uh especially in your 20s, you're just trying to figure out who you are. I know me personally, I am nowhere near the person I was back then. And I don't think, I really don't think Bobby and I would have lasted if we got married in our early 20s. No way. See, it's a really good point. I mean, I, I, as you get older, you look back and we even talk to each other sometimes and say, oh my gosh, 21 years old, 22 years old, look at this. How did we do this? Uh, I, I, I can't explain it. We were ready. 20 seconds, closing comment, Christine, it's yours. I mean, listen, love is love. If you're in love and you want to get married, who am I to stop you? But, like, especially out there, you know, the single ones in your 20s, like, take that time. Travel. Do anything crazy that you want to get out of your system before you get married. Because I'm telling you, it's a whole different ballgame once you get married and have kids. We will be right back. Thank you, Executive Producer Christine. United States Congressman Jeff Andrew is next. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Dan. I'm Harry Hurley. Filling in today, Guy will be back next week. 
Well, this is a privilege because not only is he a great congressman for America, he is my congressman, United States Congressman Jeff Andrew from the 2nd Congressional District in New Jersey, joins the program on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, and he enjoys the distinction of being, I guess I use the word enjoy, he might not enjoy it as much in the minority party as you do in the majority party, but he is in the par- in the party where he belongs, and especially with this, I mean, I don't know what to call it, psychedelic transformation. It's not the Democrat Party, certainly, that Congressman Van Drew knew for almost 30 years. But Congressman Van Drew is the only member of the United States House of Representatives in the history of the republic to leave the the majority party to become a member of the minority party. It's pretty interesting when you think about that, because obviously it's when you're in the majority chair committees and you, you have more say. Uh, Congressman Van Drew, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Oh, it's great to be with you, Harry, and uh, I I always enjoy our get-togethers. Thank you, sir. Now, we're going to play a little tiny audio clip that will be our American president blaming you rascally Republicans for everything. Russia, 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 or the oil companies are to blame, or the cat had kittens. I mean, they take responsibility for nothing. I want you to know you're now the blame Dan, cut 27. Republicans do nothing to obstruct our efforts to lower your gas taxes. I propose that. I've asked the Congress to eliminate the federal gas tax for the next, as long as this crisis goes on. Lower food prices, lower health care costs. Hopefully soon, lower your prescription drug costs. Okay, so he says you're to blame. This is a president who is feckless and weak. I find him particularly disturbing, to be honest with you. First of all, he has cognitive problems, but more than that, he's being directed by others. And the bottom line is he's so weak that for every single issue and problem he's created, he blames somebody else. Lack of a supply chain, somebody else's fault. You know, that China's fault or somebody else's fault. Lack of uh, law and order in our cities. Uh, that's the fault of others, but never him. And he never said anything about changing and demeaning and diminishing and defunding the police. But he did, and he's a cause of the problem. He closed. Now, if you want to talk about energy, he is the one who literally said, you know, no more leases, no more uh, uh, energy program in the United States of America. We are going to become a very weak country. That's what he wanted to do. It's what he did. He would. He didn't reduce red tape. He didn't make it easier to actually uh, go forward with a real energy program. He made it much more difficult. It's his mistake. It's his fault. And it's his problem, and he damn well knows it, but he likes to blame, as you said, either oil companies or he likes to blame other political parties or he wants to blame Putin. Putin's doing better with his sanctions than Putin was doing without his sanctions. That's that's absolutely true. We are visiting with United States Congressman Jeff Andrew on The Guy Benson Show, and we have an ambitious uh, agenda here in the next 12 minutes that we have. We're going to cover – Congressman Van Drew's No Patient Left Alone Act. And what what is that? What does that mean? We'll take a look uh, and the congressman's take on the Highland Park parade mass shooting that took place on America's Independence Day. Heartbreaking. 
We'll take a look at the mass illegal migration, a look at the Van Drew reelection bid that's underway, a peek at the 2022 midterm elections and what they mean and how important is it that Republicans take back the majority because as long as the Democrats are in control of the presidency and both houses of Congress, I mean, this is this is what you get. This is what you get. And we'll take a quick peek at 2024 as well, because that is going to be a very consequential election. Congressman, let me give you the opportunity to talk about a bill that you are sponsoring, the No Patient Left Alone Act. What is it? And uh, tell us about it. It's very simple. Basically, during COVID, uh, there were requirements in many hospitals that nobody could be with their family, with their friend, with anybody. And that person had to be alone in the room and you could look through a glass partition. That's unacceptable. People died by themselves as their husbands, wives, uh, mothers and fathers literally watched them pass away. So what this act says is that every hospital has to have a protocol, a protocol that suits that hospital, that works for that hospital. I'm not saying they all have to be the same, and I'm not saying that I have to write the protocol. So I am the lead on that particular piece of legislation, and the person who is working with me on it uh, is also co-sponsoring it, um, is actually a physician who's very knowledgeable and um, it has been real helpful in the process, too. It's a good bill. I've spoken to some of the hospitals already, and I think it makes you know life much more humane for all of us. Congressman Van Drew, uh, Dateline, Highland Park, Illinois, and this horrific Independence Day mass shooting, seven dead, three dozen injured. Your thoughts? Of course it's horrible. There's a lot of reasons why all of this is happening. Uh, Number one, we have real mental health issues in our country, and we need to deal with them in a more aggressive way and in a better way. And instead of sending money all over the world, we ought to use our American tax dollars to help our American people with these issues. Um, secondly, I really, and I really mean this, and it may sound corny to some people, there are real issues with faith, family, and freedom. Um, what we're doing to our kids, what we're doing to our society, the whole fabric of society, you really can see when these types of things happen. They don't just happen by accident. There are real problems out there. You know what doesn't help? What doesn't help are even more gun laws. You know what proves that? This mass shooting proves that because Illinois is one of the most restrictive places in the country when it comes to gun laws. And it certainly didn't help. United States Congressman Jeff Andrew visiting on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. We have to do something about this mass illegal migration that's happening right now. Uh, It's just it's so wrong at so many levels. Of course, we know that coming in with people who are wonderful, beautiful people that have been oppressed and and threatened in their own countries and want to come to the greatest country uh, on the planet. We we ought to remember that when the other political party trashes America on Independence Day and pretty much any other day of the year, that this is the country that people risk their lives to get into uh, they're not trying to get out of. But this this betrays those who are doing it legally that spend seven. I know someone that spent 10 years 
to become a citizen. He's a wonderful man, and I see him quite a bit, actually. Uh, and, and yet the illegals get right in the front of the line. They get all these benefits. It's just wrong, and we don't know the difference between MS-13, these drug cartels, human traffickers. Congressman Van Drew, I know that we have a similar mindset on this. This has to be such a high priority or we're going to lose our country. We are. We're going to lose our country. We are losing our country in this way and many other ways. I've, you started out the conversation in the beginning when you were speaking. None of us have ever seen anything like this. I can't believe this is all happening by accident. I truly, and you know me, I'm a very grounded person. I was a general dentist for most of my life. Um, I'm not a person who sees conspiracies behind every door. But there are Congress people. There are billionaires around the world. There are billionaire corporations that all want to change. And, of course, by the way, woke celebrities that all want to change the culture and the fabric of America. They don't love America. I, I told you a story one time. I was giving a speech to a bunch of people about Americanism and American exceptionalism and the greatness of this country. And a group of people came over to me and said, that's not true. We're the same as any other country and maybe not even as good. They're wrong. This is the best nation ever on the face of the earth, and they're trying to destroy it. Truthfully, there are people that are on the terror list, on the actual terror list that are getting through. They've caught more than 50 of them, but they'll admit to you it's not the Border Patrol's fault. Yeah. They need help. We need more Border yeah. Patrol. We need to build the wall. We need to be a country with borders. No, no doubt. Can survive without borders. Congressman, we, we have about five minutes left. I want to cover a few more areas, and I want to go into right now, uh, because you don't talk about yourself very often in interviews that we do, let's talk about your election in District 2. This is a very, as you know, very consequential election. This midterm election, if passed this prologue, and I believe that it will be, uh, this should end with Republicans certainly in control of the House of Representatives. The Senate is a bit more challenging. We won't bother with that right now. We'll focus on your house and your race. Uh, tell us your thoughts as a candidate seeking reelection. Uh, my thoughts are that, you know, I, I've been out there, I work hard, and I tell people what I believe. I am, as you know, Harry, very straightforward, and I tell it how it is, and I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to fight for America. I'm going to fight for our freedom. I'm going to stand tall to make sure that whatever the issues are, that we're doing the right thing for our America and for our future and for our children and grandchildren. If you want to go, not you, but if anybody wants to go the other way, well, they're welcome to vote for my opponent. I, I believe that I represent the freedom and the honor and the dignity of this great America, and I'm going to continue to do that, and I'm never going to give up. And uh, we must make sure we bring our America home, that we keep our America, and it's, it's going to be a real challenge because they're trying their best to destroy it. Let me follow up on the difference, I think, between 2022 and 2020. You it was celebrated in the Oval Office, I mean, with with great fanfare, uh, but it was still someone switching from one party to the other party and then standing for reelection a short time later. And that was really some tough stuff, including the fact that you were up against one of the most uh, 
the hugest names in the history of American politics, electoral uh, contests. You beat a Kennedy who was funded by the tune of millions, many, many millions of dollars. This doesn't feel like that atmosphere. And I know you don't take anything for granted, but it's a different atmosphere 2022 versus 2020, isn't it? Oh, it's a much different atmosphere. First of all, there's a lot of buyer's remorse. I mean, a lot of people really do understand now that having a majority uh, party that literally just wants to completely undo the America we've known uh, is not what they wanted. They thought Joe Biden was a moderate. I don't know what Joe Biden really is. I think he is mostly a shell that does what he's told to do. He literally has cheat cards. You've seen them. Oh. He's told to sit down, stand up, walk over here. Um, they never knew that's what they were getting. They thought they were getting a moderate Democrat. Uh, what they were getting is actually some of the most progressive left-wing uh, Marxist type of government that you could possibly have. That's nothing that we bargained for in America. People know the difference now. They know what I stand for. They know what I believe. They know that I represent them. And they know no matter what it takes, no matter how many hours I've got to work every single day, uh, I'm not going to stop. We are going to bring this country home. We cannot give up on the greatest experiment in a republic that has ever existed. Congressman, a minute and a half in our time, hard break, uh, chasing us fast. I'm not looking past 2022, but I know how 2022 ends. I mean, the Republicans only need to pick up uh, seats you could count on one hand. Uh, every, Every analyst shows Republicans picking up dozens of seats. It might not be The biggest ever, 63, 70, and something like that, but it's going to be more than 30. So Republicans will have a fairly comfortable majority in the House. I want to look to 2024. Give us your best minute. I think you talked about it with the fact that we we got hoodwinked, buyer's remorse in terms of being told, hey, and and the president said it as a candidate. I'm not like these crazies. I'm, I'm moderate. I mean, and he's been completely owned by the hardest left we've ever seen. But elections have consequences, and he shut the Keystone XL pipeline down. He stopped the border wall from being constructed. He opened up the border. He ended the, the stay in Mexico policy. Uh, we had $2 gas. It, it, it got over 6 7 $8, depending on what part of the country you were in. It's been abject failure, inflation, the likes of which we haven't seen since the 1970s. Talk about, in one minute's time, I know it's impossible, the 2024 election, how consequential that is. It is the most consequential election, in my opinion, since the Civil War. You know, whenever you go to meetings or whatever, people say, you know, year after year, this is a really important election. It's our most important election. And I understand that. We want to really get the troops all riled up and ready to go. This really is the most important election. Who, who, can I squeeze this in? This is going to this is going to be wild stuff. But, you, you know, we can we can do this. We've known each other for over 30 years. Do you have a candidate yet of your choice for the Republican nomination? If he chooses to run, I support Donald Trump. Thank you for a definitive answer. That's what I love about Jeff Andrew. He didn't give us some crazy answer we can't follow and blame somebody else. That's as definitive, unambiguous as it comes. Congressman, always an honor to visit with you. Thank you. It was an honor for me, and uh, thank you for the good work that you all do. Thank you, Congressman. Have a great day. Congressman Jeff Andrew, I know you didn't miss it, but in case you were wondering, 
Uh, if President Trump runs, I believe that may be the first time that Congressman Van Drew has responded to that question uh, in a live interview. And he did it right here because this is The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, welcome back to The Guy Benson Show with Team Christine. Starring executive producer Christine Wyatt and Dan. My name is Harry Hurley. A privilege to fill in today for Guy. Guy will be back uh, beginning of next week. This is The Guy Benson Show. Now, we end the happy hour with something that makes me very happy. Number one, and I didn't get to tell Christine, Wyatt, or Dan this, if I could only pick one food. Now, I love lobster. Love it. But But I couldn't have lobster every day. You could, but I wouldn't want to. But I could eat chicken every day. I love chicken. I'm like that uh, Chick-fil-A mascot who loves eat more chicken. I love chicken. And I have to say my favorite chicken, if you're going to get it at a a restaurant or a fast food place, and there are a lot of options, of course, is Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A, they've done it all. They beat the boycott. There's a great opinion piece on the Wall Street Journal because we're not going to be able to do justice to this. Uh, I do want to let everybody know that Congressman Van Drew just wrote the program and thanked everybody for the visit that we just had. I thought that was extraordinary. And Congressman Van Drew made news in the last segment. If you missed it, check Guy's podcast. He made definitive news. But the Chick-fil-A sandwich beat them all. I'm happy to say that because I don't like boycotts. I don't like this thing of trying to tell people where they should go and where they can't go and all of that. And it is my absolute favorite chicken sandwich. Now, the wonderful Wyatt picked this topic, and we we need to do more with it next time. But Chick-fil-A, beat the boycott, beat the rest. This is The Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.